Hey there, friend. Listen, I want to invite you to join me for an upcoming presentation I'm offering called How to Shift from Willpower to Want Power. If you're tired of feeling like you have the best of intentions with food and weight, only to have it all fall by the wayside by the time your head hits the pillow at night, then this is for you. If you're interested in making permanent weight loss easier and less of a struggle, then this is for you. If you're curious what want power is, which you probably should be, and can't wait to learn how to incorporate it into your journey toward peace and freedom around food, then this is for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Wednesday, May 1st, 2024, at both noon and 7.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a really good time together. But if you can't make either of those days, I'm not going to make you get a replay emailed into your inbox only for it to get lost and never be watched no matter how deeply you want to make time to go through it. Because I mean, honestly, who are we kidding? (laughs) We've all done this, including me. No, instead, we are offering multiple watch parties for several days after the live presentation. So come watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will be worth your time for sure. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash want power. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash W-A-N-T-P-O-W-E-R. See you there. You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubell, MD, episode number 267. Welcome to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Master Certified Life and Weight Loss Coach, Katrina Ubell, MD. This is the podcast where busy doctors like you come to learn how to lose weight for the last time by harnessing the power of your mind. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food, you're in the right place. Welcome, 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 my friend. I am so glad you're here with me today. Are you ever in for a treat? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this conversation that you get to listen to today. So exciting. It's It's just so good. I know it's a little long, but I want you to to listen, even if it takes you a couple of commutes or <laughs> a couple of days of chores or whatever to get through it. It's totally worth it. Oh, it's so good. My guest today, Lisa Bowden, MD, she got off the weight loss hamster wheel. <laughs> She's going to tell you all about how she did it. She's a gastroenterologist. She'll tell you much more about herself and her whole story, but she is just really uh, just such a wonderful human. I mean, all the people that I work with are wonderful humans. They really, really are. I just, I just really love someone who just keeps showing up and keeps doing the work and keeps being open to diving deeper to really understand themselves better and understand what needs to happen in order to create what they want. And she's, she's just, oh my gosh, such amazing, amazing things happening in her life because she decided to join some random weight loss program that she heard about while she was in Brazil on the Amazon River. 
not Amazon, the company, <laughs> Amazon, the river, she's going to tell you all about it. <laughs> if that doesn't pique your interest. I don't know what will because it sure piqued mine. I was like, what? <laughs> so anyway, please enjoy my conversation with Elisa Bowden. And I'll talk to you next week. Elisa, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Great. It's so fun to be here with you. I'm so excited to have you here. You know, we have weight loss success stories, you know, clients from all different stages. What I always find so fun is to hear a little bit more of the longer term because, right, like anybody can be like, yeah, I just lost 20 pounds in the last couple of months. But like what happens when years go by? And I think that this is going to be such a great example of how there's a lot of work to be done around the food. And then there's so much more to dig into and so much progress to be made in other parts of our lives. And you're such a great example of that. So I'm super excited for us to get going. What I would love for you to do is just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do. So everybody knows you. Yeah. So my name is Elisa Bowden. I am a gastroenterologist in academic medicine. I live in Portland, Oregon, actually relatively new to Portland. We moved here about a year ago. I was just reflecting back that I've actually, this is the three-year anniversary of my joining your program. So I am kind of a a long-termer and I've had this work for several years now and it's been such an amazing part of my life. So I'm so excited to talk to you about it. Amazing. It's it's fun from the coach perspective to see like the layers of development and like to see you through so many different things. So, okay. <laughs> so let's start off. We always talk about like your experience with food, weight loss, weight struggles. When did that all begin for you? Yeah, I've been struggling with weight since I was a teenager. I, I first remember going on diets around the age of 13 I think it was, I was a gymnast when I was a kid. So I was very fit. I, you know, had practices three or four times a week, was doing a lot of exercise. And around the age of 12 or 13, I started transitioning out of that and my body started changing. And I gained quite a bit of weight during that adolescent period. And I just remember being really unhappy with the way that my body was changing starting to go on diets and and kind of being on and off diets then throughout my adolescence and teen years. And then I kind of went through a period where I just thought, because I had been through so many diets of kind of losing weight and gaining weight back, where I was just like, okay, like maybe I'm just a person who is overweight. And I think I kind of took that on as part of my identity and was like, stopped dieting for quite a while, put on a little bit more weight kind of every year as I went through college and medical training. And then, you know, there was a period around the time I got married where I dieted again and lost some weight, but then, you know, ended up putting it back on as I kind of, you know, got through the whole whole wedding piece of it. And it wasn't until you know, about three years ago, when I started seeking out help, and your podcast came up on my feed, that I really pushed myself to get back into trying to lose weight. I had, you know, I had gained a lot of weight, you know, a few pounds every year from, you know, throughout all of this. And then I had a period of time where I was doing in vitro fertilization when we were trying to get pregnant with my son. 
And we came through all of that. I think my son was around four years old at the time. And I was like, okay, like I'm done having children, no more IVF. Like it's time for me to really get, get a grip on what was going on with my weight. And I I remember really vividly finding your, your podcast because I was on vacation with my husband. So my husband is from Brazil. We went, we go there every couple of years and we had gone to visit his family and me and him had taken this side trip off to the Amazon and we're in the middle of the Amazon. And here I am like on this beautiful vacation and I'm thinking about how I have to get my weight under control. I had started doing Weight Watchers and I'd actually lost about 10 pounds at that time. But I was like, I just know I'm going to put this back on. There must be some better solutions and ended up in a, a PMG, a physician mom's group subgroup on weight loss. And everybody was talking about your podcast. And I was like, okay, like I better listen to this. I have to figure this out. I want to be able to keep this weight off long term. Started listening to your podcast, and I think it was like right around the new year. So you had had like some kind of losing weight for the last time webinar. And I was like, this is amazing. This is just what I need. And I think I came back from the trip and about a day later, I signed up for the program, you know, after probably binge listening to about, I don't know, 20 episodes of your podcast. So that that's how I came to you. Yeah, that's so fun, right? Sometimes it's so interesting, like how people make decisions. Some people are like, well, I went on a cross country road trip. And by the end of it, I signed up, you know, and other people take years sometimes and any time in between. I think I, I think you might be the first person to discover me in the Brazilian Amazon, though. I think that's really exciting. Yeah, like the internet was really interesting for, for listening to your podcast. I think it was interrupted like multiple times. <laughs> You persevered. Yeah, one of those interesting things, like here I was on this vacation and I couldn't even enjoy it because I was so, so thinking about how unhappy I was, you know, with my, with my weight and that aspect of my life. Yeah. I remember having those experiences too, especially like, you know, having some success with Weight Watchers and then thinking like, well, how am I going to be on this trip? And then doing the points thing, which felt like so overwhelming and so difficult. It felt so like all or nothing to me. Like either I had to micromanage everything and stress about it all. And constantly, I mean, back in my day, I had like the actual paper cardboard slider thing. Now they have an app, but before we had apps, you know, (laughs) and, or just eat everything everything and gain the weight back and start over again when I got home, never realizing there could be something in between that. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was just like, I need to find a way to be able to sustain this. Like I can do this for a couple of months. I can do this for one vacation, but I just still want to be doing counting points for the rest of my life. And yeah, um, and, totally. and I, I didn't believe I would be able to keep the weight off. I think that was really it. It's like, yeah. I just, okay, I'm going to go off this diet and it's going to be back to the same up and down. And your approach was such a breath of fresh air because it gave me hope that I, there was something I could do. There were changes that I could make that would be sustainable for me in the long term. Yeah. I'm curious if being a gastroenterologist factored into any of this at all, or just, you know, I mean, not that, you know, you would necessarily be expected to be any different than any other person, but just curious if that factored in. It's so funny because like, we always joke in GI, like, so GI is like GI and nutrition is part of our boards, but like, we never learn anything about the nutrition piece or 
I mean, even if we, I mean, you know, even if we did go deep dive into the nutrition piece, I, I don't think what we learn in books is really applicable to how we live in the real world. I think about this a lot for my patients too, because a lot of them were prescribing specific diets for, and it's like, we tell you what to eat, but we don't give you the tools for how to actually change your behavior so that right. you can do it in a sustainable way. So I think I, I mean, again, I think like all of us as physicians, it's like easy to tell our patients to do something, but I didn't have those tools to know how to create a framework for myself in which I could live in that way. Right. Right. That, that's what I learned from your program was, was how to implement all of the advice I was handing out. Right. It's one thing to advise someone to make behavioral changes. It's another to give them the tools to be able to actually do that. It's not as simple as just do this other thing. If it were that simple, we wouldn't have so many people struggling in the way that they are. Right. Like it is a simple, it's simple like that, but also as hard as that, right. It's, it's, it's not so simple to do that, especially on a day-to-day basis. Right. Living a normal life. Frustration for me in my life is like, I felt like I knew what I needed to do to lose the weight. Like, you know, when I went on Weight Watchers, it was fine. I could lose the weight. Like I ate less. I ate according to my points. I lost the weight, but I, I wasn't able to sustain that for the long term. And so it, it didn't end up being a good solution. So it is like that. It's like, it's so easy to know what to do. It's so hard before you have the tools to be able to do it. Right. And what I think is so easy, particularly for women to do then is to make the inability to do it mean something negative about us as a human being, right? Like we're weak, we're, we're worthless, we're undisciplined, like whatever, whatever our, you know, negative thoughts are about ourselves, that becomes the reason why we can't do the thing rather than recognizing like, no, there's just actual tools and skills that we haven't learned yet. Right. And I think the other thing for me was like, oh, um, like, I'm just not a person who can do that. Like, I'm just genetically not a person or, you know, in terms of my discipline, not a person who can do that. And you know, when you don't believe you can do something, it, you just get a lot harder to do it. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It's totally true. Totally true. Okay. So, so uh, not surprisingly, because I think this is so common, you came into the weight loss for doctors only program and you're like, yeah, the thought work thing. I don't really know. Like, let's just lose some weight. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. Well, I had no idea it was a coaching program when I signed up. (laughs) I didn't know what coaching was. Like I thought it was some like woo woo out there thing that people were doing. I I just didn't know anything about it. I, I mean, I jumped in feet first with the food changes and basically was like, I'm just going to follow whatever Katrina says. I'm going to do whatever she says. I'm going to, you know, be the best A plus student in this, (laughs) in this program. And I'm going to lose the weight. And I did. I mean, I, I really did kind of jump full speed ahead in terms of making the changes that I needed to make um, with my foods. And I started losing weight really, really quickly. I think, I think within the first six months of the program, I had lost and I had lost maybe 10 pounds before I started and maybe 35 in the first six months. So like a lot of weight very, very, very quickly, but you know, I think within a few months I started seeing my old patterns pop up just in terms of, 
my thoughts around food and feeling a lot of scarcity around food and when was I going to eat next and still being kind of very obsessed with everything about food and really starting to use the tools that you provided in terms of thought work was so helpful at just being able to kind of catch myself when I would fall into these old patterns. And the old patterns looked something like, you know, I planned for this today. Instead, I went off plan and I ate a cookie. Like now the world has ended and I should just give up and diets don't work. And this is why, and I'm just going to go back to eating the way that I used to eat. And, you know, being able to kind of catch myself in that pattern of all or nothing thinking and recognizing that, um, you know, I wasn't going to be perfect throughout this. First of all, I'm not perfect at anything, but (laughs) certainly wasn't going to be perfect throughout this. And then having those tools to be able to support myself through those mini failures and recognize that I could just keep going. And that if I did just keep going, I would keep losing weight, even when I wasn't perfect. Just getting, getting those tools in place was so helpful in the beginning. And then I think obviously more as I went through your program, it was, well, figuring out why I felt like I needed to use food to comfort myself. Because I think I, I didn't, I mean, I think you've said this on your podcast a number of times. Like, I didn't think I was someone who ate for emotional reasons. Like, I just thought I liked food. Um, I thought I had trouble stopping eating because I just really liked it. When I recognized, started recognizing that I was wanting to eat because I was wanting to not feel something in my life or because I was trying to, um, I think part of what I do with food is I kind of use it as a way, as an escape. Like I had this crazy day at work and then like I'm using food to kind of get my mind out of there and just like have some peace from all the things in my head just being able to recognize that and to kind of pause and say, hmm, like I'm asking food for, you know, for something. Can I give that to myself in another way and not use the food for comfort? And that, I mean, you know, there's all the little tools of, you know, how to manage urges and and all of those things. And then I think really there are the bigger picture tools, which are, what, what am I asking food for? How can I give it to myself in a different way? And and how can I change my thought pattern so I don't feel like I need to escape all the time? That was a, a big one for me is like, why am I creating this environment for myself where I right. want? <laughs> totally. And before we jump into that, I just want to point something out that that kind of jumped out for me in what you were saying is like, you know, this idea, like you were saying, you know, I'm not going to be perfect at this. And I just think of, you know, whether we identify as being perfectionists or not, like we are all striving for excellence. Like none of us are, is uh, typically satisfied with mediocrity. I think we can agree. Right. And so, so whatever language you want to use around it, that often what we put into that to create that is a lot of effort and hard work and toil. And we just work and strive to get to that thing that we want. And when it comes to permanent weight loss, it's that is actually can actually harm you. Like it can make it harder and slower. Like the, what we have to learn to do is actually come to ourselves and add ourselves and approach ourselves with love and compassion and like a softness that I think many of us may be confused for weakness or we just aren't familiar with it at all. It's just like something that seems 
completely, you know, foreign to us. And it really is, it's not just like, oh, I already know how to work hard over here. I can work hard on the weight loss. Like, I know you can do that. You can count points like a champ. I can too, right? We know we can do that. But this deeper part requires a different kind of approach to ourselves and a different energy. Yeah. And I think that that is something that I have really learned and been able to apply to other pieces in my life where I am also not perfect and, you know, allowing myself to not be perfect and not to make that mean that I don't try something or I don't learn something or get better at something. Cause I think, especially in my life, I've definitely been a perfectionist to the point where I don't even want to try to do things sometimes that I think I might fail at. I, I honestly think that's why I just kind of gave up on losing weight for such a long time. So I was so disappointed in myself at failing at it. And so just being able to have that skill of coming at myself with love and being like, okay, failure is part of this. It's just going to be part of this process. And how I treat myself after I make a mistake or I don't do as well as I wanted to is the most important part of moving forward. Because it, it you know, if I'm beating myself up like crazy, I'm not going to want to keep going. <laughs> Totally, totally, 100%, 100%. Or it just drives us back into looking for some sort of relief or reprieve from that punishment that we're putting down on ourselves. And the way we do that is through food. And then it just creates this whole cycle that is exhausting (laughs) and unsustainable completely, completely. So you mentioned realizing getting to this place of like, why am I creating this kind of experience of my life that's so intolerable that I need food to get a break from it. So let's dig into that because your thoughts about your work was really, uh, it's been fun to witness the whole uh, progression. So, so talk about that a little bit. So, I mean, I think like a lot of other female physicians, I put a lot of pressure on myself at work. I had a, an intense feeling of responsibility for my patients. I was worried that I might make a wrong clinical judgment on them. I spent a lot of time thinking about the decisions that I made and sometimes replaying them in my mind over and over and over again, pulling other people about things and, and you know, just really having this hypervigilance for making sure I was doing well by my patients. I also, uh, I also had a lot of problems with boundaries in certain ways, because I think it was because of this fear that I might miss something on somebody is I never wanted to be unavailable for my patients. And so I often gave people my cell phone number. The nurses knew that they could call me or page me or text me at any time um, to ask me things about my patients. And, And I created this for myself, I think, out of this feeling that I needed to be always kind of on guard for something bad that might happen to somebody because I thought that that would mean I was a bad doctor if something bad happened to somebody. Or I think moreover, like I felt like it was my responsibility to take care of everything and to be there for every single thing for all of my patients. And it really um, created for me a lot of overwhelm and also a lot of ways in which my work life spilled over into my home life. So I would just take a lot of things home with me, take a lot of anxiety about my patients home with me, be answering calls at night, be like double and triple checking my charts at night and not able to like really take that time off to be with my family. 
And it's interesting. I mean, one of the things that I did about it well before starting your program is I went down to 50% FTE clinical activity because I wanted to reduce the amount of patient work that I had. But what was so interesting about it is it just kept spreading. Like, you know, I was seeing fewer patients, but that worry and care and like, I call it like hypervigilance for everything going on in my clinical life just spread out into that other time that I had. So like it made things better. I changed the circumstance, right? By seeing less patients, it made things a lot better for me, but it was always still there. And so, I mean, this was a, a lot of the work that I was doing kind of the second year that I was working with you and kind of trying to make this, you know, this overwhelm at work and this, this over sense of responsibility at work less with my thoughts. But I think I just didn't believe that it was possible. Like I truly believed that being a doctor meant that you were responsible for everybody who you were taking care of. And that meant that my brain could never really rest. You know, it all changed really for me because we decided to move last year and I had a six month period where I was taking time off of work or I was thinking about taking time off of work. Um, it was in the middle of the pandemic and the kids were changing schools and I didn't know whether they would be in person or not. And so I just decided like, I'm just going to take a six month break from work and this will allow me to kind of like realign my priorities at home and make sure everybody is settled. And at that same time, my, my previous job was asking me to still do some telemedicine for them because they hadn't replaced me and they needed a little bit of help. And in my mind, this was like the biggest drama ever was like, do I take this six months off and have like peace from all the voices in my head and peace from all of this responsibility and like truly have a break from medicine for the first time in my life? Or like if I take on this extra responsibility doing telemedicine, like I won't have this break and I won't have this like freedom. And I got coaching on this from one of your amazing coaches, Emma, and, and she was just kind of like really showing me that, that this idea of, of having to be responsible for everyone was a thought in my brain. She was like, you know, you could just choose to kind of let that go, whether or not you decide to take this job. Like, it doesn't really matter whether you decide to take the job. You can choose to have freedom in your life and not have, you know, this overwhelming sense of responsibility And I was like, no, 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 no. Like if I am taking care of patients, like that is a huge responsibility. I will never be able to let that go. And what's so interesting is, is I, I ended up taking, I did do some telemedicine, but I took like a good two month chunk of time off. And what I recognized was that I was not taking care of patients. I had no patient responsibilities. And yet my brain just decided that it was going to be hypervigilant about all the other things in my life. Like I was so anxious about all the things around the house and around the move and around the kids and around school. And like, I had just like transferred all of this energy that I was spending on worrying about my patients being hypervigilant about my family. It's so fascinating. It's like, oh, it really isn't being a doctor. (laughs) I thought this was just like, I chose to be a doctor. It's like, Hippocratic oath, like I am like this is just the truth that this is what it's like to be a doctor. And then I realized that like it was just me. Like I was creating all of that stuff. 
I was creating all of that, you know, fear and, and worry around my patients. And then when they were gone, it was like, who, who can I transfer it to? Right. There's certainly something that I can be worried about around me. And just recognizing too, that when I was in that state of like, feeling like I needed to, you know, always needed to be watching for the danger in the world, that that was the feeling I was trying to escape from with food. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it sounds like it's like that hypervigilance was like, you know, on a subconscious level, you believe that you needed to be hypervigilant to keep everybody safe, all the important people in your life safe, whether it's your patients or your family members or whatever, like, you know, it's your job to keep everybody safe, which is like a a primal, very deeply primal desire. And so when you're feeling a lack of safety frequently, and then trying to use the hypervigilance to feel better, which also feels bad. It's like, it makes so much sense. Like, of course, like, how could you not eat? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and if it wasn't food, it would have been something else to just provide some sort of respite from that. Yeah. I mean, it was so amazing to be able to have the tools to watch my brain during this period and to have the coaching to help me like really see what was going on because yeah, I just didn't even recognize it at all before all of this happened. That's what's so powerful about coaching, right? Like we can do a lot of work on our own and sometimes it's like, we, we just can't tell, you know, they always say like the fish doesn't know it's swimming in water, right? Like we need someone on the outside to just be like, Hey, PS, this is what's really going on for us to go like, what? <laughs> I have no idea. This? Like I am choosing this experience. I like never, never would have thought that it was me kind of choosing to feel that way. And I mean, the great thing about it was, is before I started my new job, I had like four or five months where I really, really dug into this and figured out and just decided like how I wanted to experience my new job. And it's been, which is kind of fun, right? Like it's like almost, it's like a, a clean slate. You get to start over and train all the support staff and everybody to work with you in a different way. Exactly. And to kind of show up as the human that I wanted to be, the doctor that I wanted to be, and also the example that I wanted to be, because I, I now have, you know, fellows and students and younger faculty who watch the way that I am. And I get to model to them what it means to be a physician and to be a caring physician and to be a good physician who doesn't (laughs) think about their patients all the time. Right. Right. Which I think that's one of the reasons that we struggle so much is because we didn't have an example of that, you know, like particularly female staff who were living, you know, (laughs) a regular life, you know, feeling like they could, they could share with us how they made it work. And I think if they, even if they, I don't know, at least in my experience, I'm sure they all had their struggles, but even if they had it really figured out, I didn't feel like there were any insights being passed down for, you know, better or for worse. It just, you know, there just wasn't communication about that. And I love that you have the opportunity to do that now. Yeah. So one of the things I'm really deliberate about is like when I'm thinking something on purpose, that's really helping me through my day. And I actually use something that you gave me all the time when I'm coming into the, in the middle of the night to care for patients, like, like where I really truly do believe and feel so excited that I get to come in and save somebody's life. Like I get to, 
I get to save somebody's life. Like that is so amazing. And to share that energy. And I, like, I say that out loud to the fellows, I'm like, how awesome is it that we get to stop this person's bleeding in the middle of the night? Because it's so easy to be like, so sorry for yourself that you're waking night and like, oh, these people are bugging me again. And can't they figure this out? And, you know, like all these things that naturally come into your head. And then I'm like, this is amazing. Look at what we get to do as physicians. And it's totally different energy to come at it at because it makes you feel so good about what you're doing that, you know, you can catch up on sleep the next day. I mean, And you can allow yourself to ride that high of, I just did something really awesome, which PS was the whole point of becoming a doctor in the first place, right? (laughs) Right? If we think about like, why did we even take the first step on this journey? It's to help people and what a cool opportunity to be able to do it. And, you know, it's also like, not like you're doing it wrong if you're not having that experience every single time, but it's so cool to be able to you know, remember, like, this is the point of all this and share it with everybody. It's just, you're changing, you're doing your part to change the culture of medicine, which is so victim-y in general, right? Things are happening to us and we have no control. And, you know, like that, in my opinion, just fuels burnout so much more. And so you're doing your part to influence your surroundings. And that's only going to help them. We were just talking about this on a coaching call the last week or two, where it is like, you know, when you're a trainee and these attendings who are so many years ahead are sharing their thoughts about certain things you have to do, like getting up in the middle of the night to go do things. Like when they tell you their thought is something very negative, it's very easy to just adopt that. And that's just, you never even decided. So you or taking the opportunity to evaluate what you think and redecide and decide something that not only benefits you, but benefits other people as well. Yeah. And it's really changed, changed everything about the way that I see work. And I don't, I'm not feeling these days, like I need to escape from it, which is amazing. That's incredible. And like, just, ah, that just makes my heart sing. Right. Because I think that so Oh gosh, it's just, it's, it's like heartbreaking. And and I was one of these people too, you know, and I was in practice, like just really struggling and just, you know, it's, there's parts that are great and parts that really aren't great. And being able to help you get to a place where it's so much better is just incredible. And so, so, okay. So that's so great. Let's just, I want to take it to the next step because you've also become a coach and you are now are working to incorporate co- coaching tools in the clinical work that you do. So I would just love it if you'd mention a little bit about that. This is one of the other things that I have done that has changed my experience of work so much is that I've really decided in a very deliberate way how I want to spend my time at work and I want to spend it doing things I feel really passionate about. I think Earlier in my career, I chose pathways because I thought that they were the things that people, other people wanted me to do. Other people saw things in me and they were like, you should be a basic researcher and you're so good at this. And, and that was kind of the pathway that I saw to success in academic medicine. And I followed that for a long time, but it wasn't exactly my passion. And, and, and it allowed, you know, it was just easy to burn out in something that I didn't feel like I had chosen for myself. So Coaching has been something that has changed my life in so many ways. I, it's funny because I talk about it with my husband. We talk about before Katrina and after Katrina, like it's like BK and AK. My life has so drastically changed and the way that I think about my life has so drastically changed just from being exposed to coaching 
having coaching in my life and coaching tools that I really felt compelled to become a coach because I wanted to show, I wanted to show my patients really how they could use these tools to change the way that they experience their disease. So as I said, I'm a gastroenterologist. I take care of patients who have inflammatory bowel disease. So these are chronic diseases of the GI tract that result in inflammation. These patients have a lot of pain. They have a lot of diarrhea, rectal bleeding, things that really impact their daily life. And they often need to be on chronic medications or require surgery. These are lifelong diseases with no cure. What I found myself doing after I was in your program for a little while is like, I would hear people talk to me about all the issues that they were having, the trouble that they were having taking their medications or staying on their diets or doing other things. And I was like, if they only knew that this was their thoughts, then they could do something about it. But wasn't quite ready to, you know, I mean, I wasn't ready to start coaching people against their will in the right, just like dropping that bomb on them right in the clinic room. <laughs> Do you realize that you actually have a, you know, you can stop being the victim here and you actually have some agency, but I just saw it as this great opportunity for myself and, and for my patients to really learn from this. So I did coach training during this six month time when I was off of work. And I actually created my own business. So I have my own business coaching women who have inflammatory bowel disease who are not my patients, but I've been having such a good time doing it and really enjoying it. And I feel like it's going to have, it could have such a great impact on, for all of my patients. Like I really, truly feel like this tool that everyone in the world needs, actually people who are, are dealing with chronic disease and so I, I'm working on creating a coaching program within my university, and we're actually heading up and spearheading a big behavioral health medicine within GI at my institution, which has been supported by my chief and everybody there. And I'm super excited about it. And, and I think, you know, bringing coaching into the clinic, I, I think, is the next wave in medicine. And I'm, I'm hoping to study it so that we can really, really show how impactful it can be, not only on people's perception of their autonomy within their disease course, but really showing that it helps people to get better. Yeah. I mean, that's just incredible. And the more that we can show like actual research data that, you know, that it works, the more funding there is, the more, you know, hopefully we can get financial coverage for it and things like that, which is so, I mean... Can you even imagine? Gosh, <laughs> it's just, I just think back to what I was like, I think there might be a few people who'd be interested in this. Like, that's just so fun. Yay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I am so passionate about it. And again, like, I think this is something I'm so excited to bring to other people, but even just for myself and my own experience of work, like having something that I feel so passionate about and that I truly believe is going to make such a big difference in my field is, is everything. Yeah. I, I, I love that. And I love thinking about it. Like even as not, not like a pressure-based kind of a thing, but just kind of thinking about even like, what is your legacy going to be as a clinician, you know, like as a doctor, you know, obviously every person you interact with, but even thinking about it from a bigger picture, right. Creating this program being able to change possibly, you know, the, at least the culture of how GI patients are treated at your institution. I mean, that's incredible. So exciting. (laughs) So, so, so cool. 
I just love that. Okay. I, I wanted to just do, because we've been talking here for a little while, but I just wanted to give you the opportunity to mention one thing that you had mentioned to me beforehand was how there was one time where you were actually listening to me coach another client about something that was going on and how that coaching actually significantly significantly impacted another issue that you had going on in your life without even actually being coached on it. Would you be willing to share a little bit about that? Yeah, I wanted to tell you about something in your program that had really impacted me that I didn't realize was possible, which is that when you were coaching somebody else on a topic that I didn't think related to me at all, it actually opened my eyes up to something that I was really missing in my life. And it was a big aha moment for me. So I remember back, this was, I think, during my first six months of the program, and you were coaching somebody, a woman who had a child who had a pretty significant handicap. And she was having a really, really hard time. And you were coaching her through the grief of the loss of the child that she had expected to have. And you had made a recommendation for her to write a letter to this child that she had expected to have. And to put everything in there about that expectation and then to say goodbye to that child so that she could say hello and bring into her life the child that she actually had. And even though it didn't, it didn't apply to me at all, I have a child who has no handicaps, but was just not exactly the child that I had expected. I kind of thought throughout my life that I was going to have this child who was a miniature version of me like total people pleaser, total overachiever. And I have a child who is super, super spirited and loud and boisterous and adventuresome and willing to be different from everybody else. And it was really hard for me to accept that. And I spent a lot of time trying to change who that child was And it created a lot of struggle in our life. And when I was able to realize that I was actually doing this same exact thing that you were coaching somebody else about without even really realizing it, I actually did the exercise where I like wrote this letter to my child, my expected child, and I said goodbye to them. And by doing that, it really, really allowed me to drop the reins on my child and to allow them to be this wonderful person who they are and to love them unconditionally and and not try to create, you know, make them into someone who I wanted them to be. What was really interesting about the whole thing too, is like, here I was wanting my child to be this like people pleaser and overachiever. And these are like the exact same things. I'm like trying to distance myself from do like all of the all of this stuff that happened to me in childhood because I was like putting myself behind everybody else. And it's allowed me to hopefully not create that same pattern for my child, which has been amazing. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I have had similar experiences where I really, it just like what was being coached on had nothing to do with my life at all. And I still had a major breakthrough. And I just think it's, it's so cool to hear about those stories, right? Because 
group coaching is so powerful that way. And you know, we often think like, well, I need someone to be like coaching me on all my stuff all the time. But sometimes we don't even know that we need coaching on that. We would never even ask, like, who knows if we would have ever even gotten there. You know, it's like by listening to someone else, you're able to be guided in this way that really makes a huge difference, which I just love. And I love that you were open to to allowing it to you know, like letting it come through, right? Letting it, letting it absorb in. So great. Well, and I have to say, Lisa, it's been so fun, you know, being your coach and seeing you progress. And you know what I, what I, well, one of the things I love about you is I think your brain works somewhat similarly to mine, where we've definitely had coaching sessions where I can tell where you're like, I just don't know about this, but then like it comes around later. That's very much how I tend to be. I'm like, Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and I just love how you just keep showing up. Like you just keep showing up for yourself and you keep um just doing the work even when it's hard, even when it feels like you're kind of going around in circles. Like I think that's all a normal part of the process and continuing to show up for yourself creates those amazing results that we want, which is exactly everything you just shared. So just good for you. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> One of the things that you have really taught me is that if I just keep showing up and I'm not so anxious about getting there, getting somewhere else, getting to the goal weight, getting to whatever that next goal is, if I just show up for myself every day and love myself through the process, then I just end up there. Like, exactly. it's not. Yeah. Ah, oh, I love it. I love it. And like life keeps, you know, throwing challenges our way. And then the process continues, right? When we think that we believe in the illusion of the there in quotes, like the place where, you know, like all the birds sing all the time, there's never a problem. We only set ourselves up for this disappointment when we continue to leave a ver- lead a very human life where there are struggles and new challenges and stressors and other things that come up. It's just like, you know, changing that idea, I think makes such a difference. It doesn't necessarily make it a lot easier in the short term, but in the long term, it really does because you can stop letting go of this idea of like some, you know, utopia somewhere that you just, you know, have it. You just have to figure out how to get there. (laughs) And once you do, that's going to be it. Yeah. I love, I love just being able to love the process of every day. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Elisa, if if somebody were like you, you know, on the Amazon in Brazil (laughs) happens to come across this podcast (laughs) and we're considering life coaching, weight loss for doctors only, what would you tell them? I mean, I can honestly say this was the best investment of my money and time of any investment I have ever made, including medical training. Like this changed my life in a way that I would have never expected. And I'm so, so grateful for. So it is without a doubt, such a great investment. Don't think about it. Just do it. I mean, the other thing is just having the community of women physicians that I have met within your group has been so important in my life. Having people who I really, truly feel I can feel vulnerable with, who share a lot of the same struggles with me, who I just relate to on this other plane has been amazing. So it it shouldn't even be a question. Do it. (laughs) 
you'll have your before Katrina and after Katrina moment. (laughs) Oh, that's so exciting. Well, thank you so much for saying all those amazing things. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing. I know this was your dare for yourself to get yourself to come and do it. I thought it was just such a great conversation. So thanks so much for letting all our listeners listen in. Thank you again, Katrina. Thank you so much. Ready to start making progress on your weight loss goals? For lots of free help, go to katrinaubellmd.com and click on free resources.